on today's episode of The Tax Playbook, powered by 960 Digital and the Wealth Empowerment Network. We're talking tax buckets again. If you don't remember, there's three of them, taxable, tax-deferred, and tax-free. Today, we're going to talk about the tax-free bucket and what truly constitutes a tax-free investment. This is Marcus Warren, financial advisor, tax-enrolled agent, and author of the Retirement Playbook and Tax Playbooks. Let's get on to the show. Cause I'm the tax man. Yeah, I'm the tax man. All right, so I do a lot of these workshops, and I routinely ask rooms full of people, how bad are taxes today? How bad are taxes going to be down the road? And do you believe that tax rates are going to be higher than they are today? And nearly every every hand in the room goes up. And then when I ask, how many of you have the lion's share of your assets in tax-free vehicles? Very few people raise their hands. And it's not surprising because if you look at the cumulative dollars in the 401ks and IRAs and other qualified or company plans, you'll find out that from coast to coast, there are about $28 trillion in those plans, those tax-deferred assets, $28 trillion. But if you look at how many dollars are in the Roth-like investments, Roth IRAs, Roth 401ks, people doing Roth conversions, you'll find out that there's just a little over $1 trillion, about $1.2 trillion. So that's about a 28 to 1 ratio of tax-deferred to tax-free. So what that tells me is that even though most people believe that tax rates down the road are likely to be dramatically higher than they are today, they haven't done anything about it. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk a little bit today about why people don't do anything in regards to tax-free. Why are they not taking advantage of tax-free vehicles? Remember, the cost of admission to a tax-free investment is you've got to be willing to pay a tax. You are going to pay that IRS either now or you're going to pay them later. It's as simple as that. So if you put money into a tax-deferred investment. I talked about tax-deferred last week. If you put money in a tax-deferred investment, what you're doing is you're basically saying, I think it makes sense to get a tax deduction now and to postpone the payments of my taxes until much further down the road when tax rates are likely to be much higher. But what the tax-free bucket says It says, look, I'm willing to take a bet that if I pay taxes now at these historically low rates, I can avoid having to pay a tax somewhere down the road when I believe that those tax tax rates are going to be much higher. So my question is, for those of you listening, is if most Americans believe that tax rates are going to go up, why don't they put it, why don't they put their money in tax-free vehicles? And so what I've noticed as I've spoken to clients over the years is that even though people believe that tax rates are going to go up, they just can't bring themselves to pay a tax preemptively. They just can't bring themselves to pay a tax or to prepay a tax, if you will, before the IRS absolutely requires it of them. Because, of course, we love to procrastinate those painful things. We don't want to pay taxes. So why would you want to have tax-free Well, you'd want to opt for tax-free version of retirement plans if you think that tax rates are going to be even one percentage point higher than they are today. 
there's a lot of very smart people out there. Very, very smart people like David Walker, who used to be the uh, Comptroller General of uh, the U.S. Uh, under the uh, Bush and Clinton administrations, and other uh, economists across the country. They believe that tax rates are going to be higher than they are today, even eight to ten years from now. They're going to be dramatically higher. And if so, uh, and if you believe what they're telling you, and you believe that tax rates are going up, then we really should be talking about taking advantage of these historically low tax rates by paying taxes on those retirement dollars and getting them systematically repositioned to tax-free. Out of almost every dollar a person can make, city, state, and federal governments take. What? what they think is fair, you give in your share now, and then there's a break. Max is talking taxes. Hey, have I kept All right, so now it's, now it's time to define what a true uh, tax-free investment is, because I really think that everyone needs to uh, you know, understand what we're really talking about when we talk about um, uh, tax-free investing. And basically the way it is, is to be truly tax-free, in order to be truly tax-free, you have to pass two basic tests. Uh, the first basic uh, litmus test, if you will, uh, for your investments to be tax-free is it has to be free from, free from state, from federal, and capital gains tax, all right? Um, I usually give this example, and, and, and I, think it's a, uh, I think it's a good example. Um, so you have municipal bonds that are out there, right? You have these uh, municipal bonds, uh, and, and we've been told uh, a lot of times that municipal bonds are free from federal tax. Yes, they are. Are they free from state tax? Well, let's look at that. So if I live uh, in Kentucky, which I, I do live in Kentucky, and I buy a municipal bond from Indiana, I don't know if I would, but if I did, would the Commonwealth of Kentucky give me a tax break for that? No, they do not. If I buy one in Indiana, I have to pay state tax in Kentucky. Why? Because it's not benefiting the municipality in where I live, right? I'd have to move to Indiana to pull that off. Now, Let's say you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket and have just one municipal bond. So you, buy, so you buy a mutual fund of municipal bonds. And that mutual fund appreciates in value. And then you sell that mutual fund, say, five years, that, that municipal bond mutual fund five years, five years down the road. Will you pay a capital gains tax on that? And the answer to that question is, you're dang right you will. Of course you will. And so... That is why it doesn't pass. Municipal bonds do not pass that test. There's a third. There's a second test too. The second test, the litmus test that I have for tax-free investments, is that it should not count when you take a distribution. It should not count as provisional income. Now, if you recall, we talked about provisional income, and provisional income is the income that the IRS tracks to basically determine uh, how much of your uh, Social Security is going to be taxed. So the IRS adds up all of your provisional income, and if it's a single person and it adds up to more than $34,000, or if you're married and it adds up to more than $44,000, then up to 85% of your Social Security can become taxable, and that's at those highest marginal tax, that's at your highest marginal tax bracket. So you have to be concerned about when things masquerade as uh, tax-free. All right, so this, of course, begs the question. Um, what really does, what really counts as tax-free? 
And we're talking free from federal tax, from state tax, from capital gains tax. And then when you take the distributions, it does not cause your Social Security to be taxed. Well, one of the things that uh, uh, everybody is familiar with is uh, Roth, right? The Roth IRA is truly tax-free. So as long as you're 59 and a half, when you take distributions from a Roth IRA, it does not count as provisional income. So Roth IRAs, they are truly tax-free as long as you're 59 and a half when you take that money out. Now, there are uh, other types of Roths. Um, there's Roth, you can do Roth conversions. There's the Roth 401k. Uh, there's what's even called the uh, backdoor Roth. There's um, a lot of those things out there. And, and a backdoor Roth is basically where uh, if, you, if you make more than, say, $206,000 in what's called modified adjust, adjusted gross income, then you no longer can qualify to do a Roth IRA. So what you can do is you can do a non-deductible IRA. Um, in other words, you put money into your IRA or traditional IRA, you don't get a deduction for it, and then you can immediately convert that over to a Roth IRA. So um, that's a little uh, IRS uh, backdoor trick there for you, free of charge. Y'all can have that one. Um, and then there's also life insurance retirement plans, which is a true tax-free investment as well. So you basically you can pull money out of gross tax deferred in these what are called LIRPs or life insurance retirement plans. Uh, you, the money grows tax deferred, and when, and when you pull money out, you don't have to pay uh, taxes on that, and it doesn't count as provisional income. So that's a good uh, vehicle also. They also call it uh, the, the life insurance retirement plans or, or, or LERPs, or they call those Roth on steroids, um, and I'll talk about that in, a, in another podcast. So why is tax-free such a big deal? Um, and it's primarily, primarily uh, what you're doing by prepaying those taxes is you're shielding yourself from the ebb and flow of tax rates over time. You're protecting yourself from what we call tax rate risk. So if what the former comptroller of the U.S. says comes true, and that tax rates double just to try to keep our country solvent, if you're in the 0% tax bracket and you've done these things to have a tax-free retirement and tax rates double, so to speak, two times zero is still zero. So you're still in that 0% tax bracket. And so, um, first of all, the, uh, what, so a, a question that, that I do get is how do you go about shifting money and you take it from going from, you know, basically tax deferred to tax free? And you got to remember, there is a cost of admission to get to the tax free bucket. And that is you have to pay some sort of tax. Taxes on my clothes and food. Taxes on my place. Pay taxes on my moisturizer. I mean taxes on my weights. Pay taxes on my land. Every year y'all make me pay. I paid a tax on this guitar so I could sing for you today. My taxes put some kids through college I can't afford to send myself. Now tell me, if you were elected president, what would you do to help? All right, so... How do you go about shifting money from tax deferred to tax free? Well, first of all, we want to make sure that you're shifting money slowly enough that we don't rise too dramatically in our tax cylinder or you jump into another tax bracket. So let's say you have a $500,000 IRA. You don't want to shift all that in one year because if you do, quite a bit of that $500,000 will be taxed at your highest marginal tax bracket, which is 37%. And so we don't want to dramatically increase our tax rates while we're trying to shift money, all right? We want to keep, um, we want to keep and stay in a low tax bracket, preferably the one that you're already in. I think that's one of the reasons why people are hesitant to do these types of shifts because they feel like they're going to be paying an inordinate, inordinate, 
inordinate amount, I'll say that three times fast, um, of taxes. And, and so that only assistu- uh, accentuates the importance of shifting the money slowly. Now, on the other hand, you want to shift the money quickly enough that you get all the heavy lifting done before taxes go up for good. Now, we all know that tax rates are going to automatically go up on January 1st, 2026. If you didn't know, now you know, and no one's half the battle. Um, Back in the day, I used to think that tax rates would go up in about 10 years or some unknowable time in the future, but didn't know. But now we know exactly the day that tax rates will go up, and that's January 1st, 2026. So we're on the clock. We have a deadline. The clock is ticking. You can hear it ticking. So we want to get all that money shifted efficiently so that you so that you don't rise too dramatically in your tax bracket, but you want to do it quickly enough that you get all the heavy lifting done before 2026. So I really think that the first deadline that, that you'd need to be thinking about is the only deadline you need to be thinking about is that 2026 deadline. Uh, those marginal tax brackets uh, rates are going to go up uh, at least back to what they were uh, in 2017. Um, but what we're really trying to avoid are the consequences of tax rates spiking because of the debt and all these unfunded liabilities that we have. Um, and you want to make sure that you have that done before tax rates spike because it could really happen um, as early as, of course, 2026, they revert back. But then them going up dramatically, that could happen 2027, 2028 and beyond. And you have to be prepared. So what's the moral of the story? What's the punchline? Um in summary, basically, you put your money in, in these tax-free vehicles, in the tax-free bucket, if you think that tax rates are going to be higher in the future than they are today, and especially since you have most of your money in these tax-deferred accounts. And you need to identify what tax-free vehicles are available to you. You don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. Uh, if, if you put all your eggs in one basket, the IRS could legislate or Congress could legislate that one basket right out of the out of existence. So you have to be worried about that. What you want is you want multiple streams of income on the table. You want to be able to spread your tax-free wealth around those various buckets. And in the process of getting to the tax-free buckets, you don't want to do it all at once. Remember that. You want to do little by little, shifting enough to keep you in the same tax bracket, but also enough to get also quickly enough to get the heavy lifting done before tax rates go up for good. There you go. That's all I have. Thank you for listening. Talk to you soon. Cause I'm the tax man. Yeah.